Welcome to my second recommendation reactions podcast where this past weekend I recommended the movie Inside Man streaming on Netflix. This is actually my third attempt at recording this podcast. Let's hope it goes well. The last two times my app crashed right as I finished recording, so I'm trying it a different way. Hopefully it works out this time. And I know, look, I don't have hardly any, if at all, followers and listeners to these things, so I could have just ignored this, let it slide by, not posted one. But you know what? That defeats the point of what I'm trying to do, which is push myself to be creative, to create things that I'm proud of, and I take these seriously. Believe it or not, I always rewatch these movies, even though I'm very familiar with them. I take notes, uh, I make an outline for the podcast, and I want it to be a good thing that I do that I can be proud of, and so uh, that's what I'm doing. That's why I'm continuing to, to try with this, and so let's move into talking about the movie. As always, when I do these podcasts, I'm doing it on the assumption that you've seen the movie now, so I can talk about whatever, I can do spoilers. Uh, of course, this is a 2006 movie, so I think any sort of spoiler ban has been lifted at this point. The first thing I want to talk about with this movie is actually something that doesn't stand out the most, and that's surprising to me now, is that it's a Spike Lee-directed movie. And usually when you watch a Spike Lee movie, you know you're watching a Spike Lee movie. Now, I'm not like super well-versed in all of Spike Lee's filmography, but I've seen enough to know that he's got a distinct style. And this one is the least Spike Lee-esque of all the Spike Lee movies that I've seen. And there's a couple reasons for that, probably. One is that Spike Lee often writes the stuff that he directs, and he did not write this movie. Uh, it was, in fact, supposed to be directed by Ron Howard at one point, and he left the picture to direct Cinderella Man, which is another really good movie, and probably going to be a recommendation at some point. So I don't know how long Spike had to get ready for this movie and to put his own flair on the movie, but I think it actually... Um, in a lot of ways, I think sometimes collaboration helps balance out really good and talented people. And so I think the fact that Spike Lee was taking somebody else's content, maybe didn't have all the prep time for it, was able to bring in his own sort of genius flair to it, but it also balanced out some of maybe the eccentricities that he would do uh, in his own projects. Uh I don't know. I feel like I'm being critical of Spike Lee right now, don't I? He's a very talented filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. I think he's great. Um, but this is my favorite Spike Lee movie, and I think that's part of the reason why. And I know it's probably not supposed to be my favorite Spike Lee movie. And I think even Spike Lee would tell me that it shouldn't be my favorite Spike Lee movie. But I'm sorry. It's the one I enjoy the most. So Spike shouldn't have done so well on this one. Then I wouldn't have loved it the most. Now, there are some flourishes sprinkled in that are very Spike lee um, specific. For example, in a lot of Spike Lee movies, he has characters talking directly to camera. You're not supposed to do that as a filmmaker, right? You're not supposed to look directly at the audience, but Spike Lee has characters that will talk directly to camera. And I didn't know that when I first saw this movie. I've kind of figured that out since in watching more Spike Lee movies. But the opening where Clive Owen, as Dalton Russell, gives his monologue speaking directly to camera about his plan, that's very Spike Lee-esque. Now, maybe it was in the script beforehand, to lay the foundation for the movie, but I would guess that it's probably a Spike Lee thing, having been more familiar with Spike Lee's movies now. I've said Spike Lee 800 times in the last three minutes, I think. The other one is the floating shot. Now, this one's definitely in every Spike movie, and it happens in this movie after one of the hostages is supposedly executed, and Denzel comes out of the uh, the police state or the police uh, camper thing that they're in. I don't know what you call it. 
and he gets out and everybody else is running around around him and he is walking but it's actually he's like on a roller with the camera and he's just floating toward camera or with camera and that's a Spike Lee shot that happens in every movie where his characters are floating toward camera or with camera so a couple things that let you know it's it's a very Spike Lee movie but uh, again my favorite Spike Lee directed movie even though it's the least Spike Lee of the Spike Lee movies I'm going to stop saying Spike Lee for the rest of the podcast the next thing I want to talk about is how well cast this movie is. Obviously, Denzel in the lead. Denzel's an amazing actor, uh, but I don't want to talk that much about Denzel because I think if you ask anybody what's your favorite Denzel performance or what's the best Denzel performance, hardly anyone's going to say Inside Man. And that's just because he has he's really good in this movie, but he has more showy roles. He has more culturally impactful roles, so uh, this isn't going to be the one that's the highlight of Denzel's reel. But Clive Owen is awesome in this movie, and Clive Owen, even though he has some hits on the resume, he doesn't have nearly the career that Denzel has had, and it's very likely, uh, as is the case probably with myself, that this is a favorite Clive Owen performance. And when I think about it, it's especially impressive because of the type of character he's playing. Now, at first I thought, well, yeah, he's got the showier character, he's got the the bank robber uh, with the master plan, like that oftentimes is a role that someone can shine in, but the truth is... He does a whole lot with a little in this movie. By that I mean he plays a stoic character. He plays a character that doesn't show much emotion, that doesn't do a whole lot as far as uh, that an actor can really show off. Almost all of this is just showing what sort of natural charisma and gravitas that Clive Owen has because he's just talking very calmly but giving off this really great presence. He comes across very intelligent. You believe Clive Owen is the smartest guy in the room, and he's the guy who's orchestrated this chess game where he is just moves ahead of everybody else, and he's got a master plan that's going to work. You believe that about Clive Owen watching this movie. I think a lot of actors could have done this movie, and it just been a really boring part because they're not moving much, they're not saying much, and when they speak, it's just kind of, eh, I don't really buy this guy. But Clive Owen's he's perfect in this movie. Now, one thing I do wonder is, because Clive Owen is charismatic, that always helps in having you root for that guy. And this is a unique movie because if I ask who's the villain in this movie, it's a little murky, isn't it? Like, Denzel's character, uh, Detective Frazier, is obviously the, the good guy. Uh, Clive Owen is in the bad guy's spot. But as the movie goes on, uh, this side plot with Christopher Plummer's character, Arthur Case, where he got rich and owns the banks, but he got rich dealing with Nazis, and then we find out that's who Clive Owen's actually robbing, not even the regular people, not even the regular bank money. He's literally just taking this bad guy's stuff. You start going, well, maybe he's not so bad. But then again, he's holding people hostage. Um, he does admit in the movie, like, I'm no martyr. This is financially motivated. But you still want him to win. And I don't know. That, that's a great thing about this movie. I love movies with moral dilemmas that you can debate. And I think a great debate is, should we root for Clive Owen to get away with this bank robbery? Should we be happy when in the end, he comes out of that hole after hiding for a week, walks out of the bank, and gets off scot-free? And it's I think there's an element where as a movie viewer, every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, he did it. And I'm like, wait. Should I be, yeah, he didding it? I don't know. Uh, of course, what he does is he puts on Detective Frazier to start looking into Arthur Case, 
the real bad guy. I mean, we think somebody who gets rich dealing with Nazis is a real bad guy. And so we're glad that now he's probably going to get his justice if Denzel's going after him. But is that sort of a red herring? Like, should he not maybe get both? I don't know. I'm going to put in a maybe a poll and say, should we root for Clive Owen to get off in this movie or not? Should we root for him to, to get away cleanly? The next thing I want to talk about is something that's interesting to me just from a storytelling perspective. And that's the use of the interrogation scenes. These are the scenes where the two detectives are talking to the hostages slash suspects because at that point all the hostages are now suspects in the robbery. And it doesn't come, the first one, until 24 minutes into the movie. And when it happens, it's a little disorienting at first because up to that point, aside from that opening monologue, the whole movie had been chronological. Right, We had a starting point which began with them taking over the bank and it had just been going along in order that things happened. And then all of a sudden it jumps to clearly post-bank robbery when the hostages are out and the detectives can talk to them. And it's interesting. It's really well done uh, for two reasons. I think I enjoy those scenes for two reasons. One, it's a great way to give the audience exposition because once the situation's over and the detectives are asking questions of the hostages, they can give them bits of information that the audience need, uh, but would be maybe a little forced if we tried to show it happening naturally in the time that it happened. Like hearing somebody explain something is easier than showing it happen. And you can show them or just show the person being interrogated, explain it and make it a lot easier. Um, Those are also, they're interesting scenes in and of themselves. Don't get me wrong. It's not just exposition. It's a way to make exposition fun to watch. And apparently a lot of those scenes were ad-libbed which, again, kudos to Denzel for doing a great job and uh, his partner in the movie, played by Chiwetel Ojiofor. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, and all the people playing the hostages. Really good stuff. The other reason that it's interesting to me is because in this situation, a, a hostage situation at a bank, there's probably just a lot of downtime. And so to sort of show you times going by and while nothing's happening, we need something to fill that time that's a little more interesting. Here's these interrogation scenes. All right, for the last thing I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go to the audience participation portion of this podcast. And my friend Scarlett, who wrote that it's a good movie, but I'm, she's, and I'm quoting, I'm annoyed by the music used at the beginning. Why start with the Bollywood track when it never really tied back into the storyline? Seemed like an odd choice to me. Otherwise, I don't think one can complain about a movie with Denzel and Clive Owen. First off, so true. Denzel and Clive, so good. Second off, the music, uh, I actually was going to talk about the music anyway, so I'm glad that Scarlett brought it up. I think that it is a, it, it's obviously an interesting choice. Why start with the Bollywood track? And I never, I don't think initially thought about it. I don't think I thought, like, is this going to pay off? Why a Bollywood track? I just thought, oh, interesting mu- music. Um, but I think there's, there's multiple things that play here. One, from what I understand, uh, Spike, said his name again, is a like movie connoisseur and watches movies from all over the place. And he probably watched this. It was a song from a Bollywood movie. He probably watched that Bollywood movie. said, I like that song and I'm going to put it in my movie. Uh, But what I think it really is about, and I think it's sort of a theme throughout the movie is this sort of uh, global collision that happens in New York. And even though most of the story takes place in this one uh, location, right? This one bank branch in the little bit of street surrounding it there's people from all over the world that are colliding here and it's sort of a theme 
uh, from the plot of the bank robbery where the bank owner got rich dealing with Nazis and that's obviously a global issue um, from the scene where they're playing the Albani former Albanian president for the police listening in and they can't figure out what language it is and Denzel's like this is New York somebody's got to know what language this is and sure enough he plays over the speaker and somebody recognizes the language as Albanian and uh, you know dealing with the hostages and their different backgrounds you have uh, people from the Middle East involved in there obviously and so I think the point just kind of being like he wanted the story to feel global and universal he didn't want it to feel like a strictly American story even though it's taking place in America and I think that part of playing into that is even though in the beginning it's showing you hey this is happening in New York and it's showing you footage of New York it's playing a Bollywood track to show like this isn't a, uni a uniquely New York story this is a global story uh, and maybe he could have used any number of different types of music but he chose that Bollywood track and at the end I don't know if you caught this at the beginning it does just play the Bollywood track at the end it replays the same track but it's a remix where they put in a couple of rap verses and the rap verses are about how people of different backgrounds have to come together um, and so you know maybe that doesn't help you uh, appreciate it anymore maybe you still think it's a bad choice or a weird choice but uh, I actually, I kind of like the choice, and maybe I'm even reading into it too much by thinking it's trying to make a, a global statement. Maybe Spike just liked the music. So, I don't know. I'll probably never get a chance to ask him. But that's going to do it for my review of Inside Man. I know there's a whole lot of things I could have talked about that I didn't, but just trying to keep these as brief as possible. Um, plus, on my third try, I just I want to get it done. I want it to done well, but I just want to get it done. And... Uh, Believe it or not, a lot of cuts in this one, a lot of edits, because I couldn't even say a whole sentence without flubbing my words this time. But I made it through, I think, so thank you for joining me, and very soon I'll have another recommendation for you. See you next time.